0: Welcome everybody, fans of the show, to another episode, episode 39 of the Anglo-Italian Pod, the solo football podcast. I am Tommaso, you can find us on Instagram at Anglo-Italian Pod, and I'm here with my mate.
1: Uh, Of course, it's Rory. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at ItalianAngloPod. Tommy, how's your weekend been? All the football in one day for you, right? So it was all out of the way nice and quickly.
0: Yes, a Saturday filled with football, Inter were the last to play, and we were very happy with the result, we'll dive into that, good evening also to Steve and Chris, who are joining us live on Twitch, Rory, we did actually meet up, uh, when was it, on Sunday? No, when was it, today's Monday, we met up on Friday, I'm let you figure on it out. <laughs> I don't know man, holidays, right? But it was a a nice afternoon at the park. It was kind of British weather, sunny and then rainy. But it was nice to get together, drink some beers. How was your Easter, buddy?
1: It was good. We um, went out for our walk, but then we were stopped by the police and told to go home, despite everyone else walking around us. So, yeah, that was slightly... Wow. put a bit of a dampener on the old easter bunny but it was all right it was nice um i made if i do say some do say so myself some absolutely banging lamb chops so the day wasn't a complete waste of time nice. happy easter guys no chocolate yet though so I have to by the way
0: i am going to tip you and anybody listening who's in italy you should download the telegram and type posti di blocco me, which means police blocks in milan and there are people writing live where you can encounter the police
1: and avoid that area okay. nice i like that well we should have really thought about it whether it be duomo really we're kind of walking into their um yeah <laughs> into their pit i don't know but they were all there anyway it was a slightly but anyway into before we can start fan. moaning about covid again <laughs> we should probably moan about football instead what do you think
0: Let's do it. There is a whole lot to talk about. There is a Copa del Rey final and another one coming up very soon. Inter Milan picking up crucial points. Juventus slipping. Liverpool. I see that Chris is around absolutely killing it against Arsenal. And then we also have a Champions League preview upon us. Rory, shall we start from Spain? The first final that we're going to cover this year?
1: let's do it i love a cup final and how did this one go
0: this one wait are we waiting for our little spanish music oh wait or...
1: sorry yeah let's i'm not on it. it today guys let's go to Espana.
0: olé olé
1: vamos and-
0: And here we are in España, more specifically in Sevilla, where the Copa de Rey final was played between Real Sociedad and Athletic Club. Now, it's important to note that this is actually last year's Copa de Rey final, Mm -hmm. which wasn't played because of COVID. And the funny thing is that Athletic Club are in two finals within a 10-day span. Well, the first final, unfortunately for them, was a loss. It was an old basque final between Real Sociedad and the Athletic Club, and Real Sociedad snatched the win thanks to a penalty by their captain, Oyarzabal. Zabal. Now, the interesting thing about this final is that Muniain, Athletic Bilbao's captain, didn't leave the pitch after they were given the second-place medal and watched the entirety of the opposition's celebrations applauding them. And if you look at his eyes, he's really looking at the trophy. In 12 days, he's going to captain his team again in a Copa del Rey final. But this time, the opponent is Barcelona. Probably Bilbao fans were hoping to win this one, and the second one would have been a dream. Well, they lost the easier one, in quotation marks, and now they're going to have to face Barcelona. As I was looking up the stats about this uh, final Rory, do you know how many uh, Copa del Rey, Athletic Bilbao have won in their history? Either
1: surprisingly few or surprisingly many. No, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Four? I don't know. 23. What? What? Sorry, I'm massively undersold on there. That's that's disrespectful. I apologize.
0: Yeah. But the last one came in 1983, 1984, while for Real Sociedad this is their third title, their third Copa del Rey and their first title ever if we don't count if we don't count the Segunda Division since 1988. So it was a very uh, very much felt win and i don't know if you saw the it was pouring rain but did you see the did you see the sociedad fans in their hometown celebrating it was yes
1: incredible. yeah well that's a part of the country in spain i think all parts of spain love their football but they get really passionate in the basque country very very passionate it was painful to see uh, munain's reaction there this guy is like an athletical legend he's made 344 appearances for the club like one club man And you can see that, you're right, his eyes were like, next week or next final, I need to be the one lifting that trophy, right? I can't imagine much things worse than losing two cup finals in the space of 10 days when it's the same cup. (laughs) It must be absolutely galling. But two little kind of facts that came out of this tie – Uh, Martin Erdegaard, whilst getting battered by Liverpool, managed to become a Copa del Rey winner. So congratulations, Martin. Right. I didn't think about that And David Silva. Now, remember this for your trivia quizzes. David Silva won the 1920 um, League Cup with Manchester City and the 1920 Copa del Rey with Sociedad. So he has also broken a personal record or broken a record for a player um, winning two cups in two countries in the same year yeah crazy covid
0: facts crazy covid facts the the first of which is of course two finals from different years played in the space of 12 days i'm sure the athletic clubs fans are not So happy about it. Almunieca girl, a.k.a. my mom. Good evening to you, too. We are talking exactly about Spain, where you are currently living. But now we're going to move to the capital, Rory. I don't... ah, God damn it do you want, do you want to talk about this? I I feel bad talking about this. I have very, very bad feelings about Atletico absolutely blowing it.
1: I have, I feel we need to take some level of personal responsibility, Tommy, because we, well, even saying we, I'm going to say I, because I'm the one who turned around and said, I'm calling it. So yeah, please take my personal responsibility. My personal apologies as Atletico look like they are going to hand it to Barcelona at this point. Um, Barcelona are really hitting pace, and Atletico are definitely starting to falter out of the Champions League now. All of their focus should have been on the league, and it's just not going well, is it? They lost 1-0 to Sevilla. Tommy, take us through what happened.
0: So, as we speak, Barcelona are actually playing a game against Real Valladolid. The game that, if they were to win it, could see them only two points behind Atletico Madrid. Now, Atletico, in my notes, I wrote Atletico, Atletico. God damn it! Now, the game was not very exciting for an Atletico fan. There wasn't really much to do. Hermoso skyrocketed the possible draw, the possible 1-1. Oblak saved the penalty in the opening minutes of the game, but that was not enough. Le Sevilla took the lead thanks to a beautiful Acuna header. Go watch the entire play. It's beautiful. Suzo through pass. Nava, Navas from the byline makes sure that he crosses the ball in and Acuna with a super powerful header to the far post makes it 1-0. Very good performance, again, from Sevilla's goalkeeper. Atletico Madrid lose crucial points while Real Madrid win comfortably against a bar. 2-0, goals coming from Asensio and Benzema. And now Atletico have to play Barcelona away at the Nou Camp on May 9th. While Real Madrid have a huge, huge week before them. They play Liverpool for the first leg of the Champions League this week. And at the weekend, they play in El Clasico against Barcelona. So it's really make it or break it week for Los Blancos. And we have a Clasico upon ourselves next weekend.
1: It feels like a while since there's been an El Clasico to get excited about. Since, you know, Ronaldo left and it's no longer Ronaldo versus Messi. There's not been one for a while that's been like, oh, there's something big riding on this. To the best of my memory they may have met each other in the cup last year. I can't remember, but it feels good to have an El Clasico to be excited about two teams where neither of them are at full strength, but they're probably equally strength. If you know what I mean? I think they're on level footings, but neither of them are where they used to be. So it could be an interesting one. And Atletico will be hoping for a nil-nil draw. I imagine just no goals, nothing happens, please.
0: And the good friend of the pod, Mr. Kobayashi from Chicago, has just joined, saying that he's very impressed and surprised with Barcelona's turn of form this season. Bryce, please, we're not currently watching the Barcelona game. If anything happens, we're relying on you, buddy, to let us know everything about the potential goals that are going to come up. Rory, well, this is it.
1: And with with Barcelona, you've got to take notice of the fact that they've brought in quite a few of the youngsters from the Masia, La Masia, and they've just started playing really well, like Ricky Puji and Moraiba, right? Oh, sh- that Elijah sh- Moriba. they said they're going to build the team around him. Like They're bringing through all these players now, and I think this is a, a big part of it. And the fact they're being developed by Messi probably doesn't do any damage. But
0: And I think that there, we are going to have to do, even though it's not our favorite football topic, but we are going to have to do a transfer market special very soon because Haaland is set to leave. Aguero is going to leave, and I'm not sure if Messi is going to leave Barcelona, after all, but this will be for another episode. Rory, shall we take the blimp to France?
1: France. Here we go. And And we're in downtown
0: Paris. We're
1: nearly in downtown Paris. We're nearly in downtown Paris. Now we're in downtown Paris. There we go.
0: There we go. We're in downtown Paris, where one of the biggest and potentially most crucial wins of the weekend, most crucial upsets maybe, took place. Rory, take us through PSG Lille, please.
1: Well, we talked last week about how in both France and Germany, um, the title race was kind of going to be maybe decided this week if the results went the right way to be honest I would have expected a surprise in Germany more than I would have uh, expected a surprise in France but the surprise came in Paris as Lille won 1-0 Jonathan David the young Canadian striker got his 10th goal of the season and this is the first time that PSG have lost three league games in a row at home since 2007 things Looking a bit wobbly for Pochettino. Is spurs contagious? Is he now forever tainted with the Spurs? That means he will never win the league. Who knows? We can only speculate. But this is not a good start for their title defence. And Leo looked like, if they looked like they needed a lifeline, right? And this is the lifeline they needed. They need to take advantage of this moment now and make sure they can build on it. Because PSG looked hurt. And they look like they might not let this happen again. Neymar was also sent off for a ridiculous red card. So petulant, pushing the player over, off the field, off the ball, just completely needless. Like a lot of what Neymar does, people, regular listeners of the show, might realise he's not my favourite person. Now, A lot of what he does is over-the-top and needless, and this was another over-the-top over, over the top and needless thing, I think.
0: Now, for me, I've actually, over the years, I have taken the position of Neymar's defender, no matter what, because I think that he's an incredible player. He's one of the few players who still gives us these like glimpses of, like I don't know, street football on the pitch. But recently, he is making it very hard also for me to defend him in his last, I've got a little stat for you that I've just pulled up. In his last 15 Ligue One, uh, 1 appearances, 6 goals, all right, 5 assists, hmm, 3 red cards. Now, you don't want to be a liability for your team when you are a forward. Like, I mean, if you were a center back and you were actually tackling players because you needed to stop the the counter attack, I would understand it a little more, but this is getting a little too much. And apparently this fight that started on the pitch, he pushed the player over and Mm. then it kept going in the tunnel. And those were absolute scenes. And Neymar, you looked like a goof. Sorry to say that. But yeah, yes. Yeah, he
1: just, I think it sums up every everything about his character, I think is kind of summed up in that little clip. I think he is temperamental. He is a liability. That's what he's always been like. Um, but he's meant to be the marquee player. He's meant to be the player, either him or Mbappe, are meant to be the player that the team is built around. They depend on if, if when they win the league, Neymar's face will be the first one on the poster, if you know what I mean. He's meant to be that guy. And for him to be set, getting sent off so much, recently is just ridiculous we've already talked about how he, al- he always takes his girlfriends um his his girlfriend his sister's birthday that's probably a slip that Neymar's made himself to be fair but always <laughs> takes his uh always takes his sister's birthday off so i feel like his attitude isn't really there <laughs> um, but This is another example of it, allegedly, just in case his lawyers want to sue me for any of those accusations. Tommy, let's move on, please, I'm going red.
0: Mr. Kobayashi Bryce says, I like (laughs) what you did there, I did too. And Steve is telling us that now Neymar has more yellow cards than Pippi the Portuguese defender. Wow, well, that's an accomplishment. Steve, you'll be happy to know that I saw a picture yesterday morning, I believe, on Instagram. It was a picture of Sergio Ramos, Pepe, and Diego Costa during a Real Atletico fixture, and it said the number of yellow and red cards combined <laughs> in one picture, and it was unbelievable. We're talking something like 500 yellows among the three of them, but if PSG lost... One of the revelations of this year's League 1 won 4-0 against Mets, and they confirm I have to double check their position as a third in the standings. They
1: are yeah. now third in the table, and of course, we are talking about Nico Kovac's Monaco. So I was really impressed by um by their performance. Mets, we've talked about, are a team that were kind of almost pushing for European football this year, trying to push for the Europa League. This kind of pays any um, pay to that, really. It kind of puts an end to it. But the first half was very slow. I watched the first half. Nothing happened. I had to go out, and then there's four goals in the second half, of course. Um, But the players that stuck out for me were the assist for the second goal – um matazzo is another young player coming through the youth system he set up Volland for the first goal for the second goal and that assist is incredible sesc fabregas was on the pitch again his first start since november got his second goal of the season from the penalty spot ben yeda had an incredible goal um and monaco really looked like they were just in full flow Nico kovac Of the thirty-one games in charge so far, he's won nineteen, only losing seven. So he is; his record is very good. And I think maybe the Bayern job was too big for him, and he was kind of he was chased out of there. He wasn't the name they wanted. I think maybe this Monaco project, as long as Monaco ever have projects, could be a, a good fit for him, and he can develop these great youngsters that look like they're appearing on the south coast again.
0: Yeah, man. It's always I actually so. Monaco is definitely not like a poor club or like the 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 class workers club or anything like that. <laughs> They're from one of the richest states in the
1: world. They're hard um, to like, right? They're hard to they like, are, I think.
0: They are hard to like, but I have to say that there is something about them that I that I really, really enjoy. I don't know. They I mean, do you remember that run in the Champions League when Porto won it? That was super exciting.
1: We covered it recently in one of our episodes. We talked about when they beat Real. That was that season, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. Then Bappe came through at Monaco. I remember that incredible tie, uh, two legs against Manchester City. Man, and you've got I to think,
1: sorry, you've got to think in that team, there was Bernardo Silva, there was Fabinho. There was a lot of players in that team that went on and moved on. That's only two. There was like, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were many. Now off the top of my head, I cannot come up with more. But Fabinho, That's why I only said two. <laughs> yeah. Fabinho, right? Fabinho was in there Fabinho. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Rory, very quickly, you've got a whole lot to talk about to still. Take us through the rest of the action in the league.
1: Oh. So quickly... um. Leon managed to draw but they fell into third place and that is the first time this season they have been that low in the table um, and they've opened the door for Monaco to set a title challenge maybe hopefully. Um, two t- two centre-backs scored for Marseille as they beat Dijon 2-0. They are bottom of the table. Dijon are now winless in 11 and could be relegated as soon as in two weeks' time, in a fortnight, they could be relegated, so we're not looking good for Dijon. In an uh, Englishman's abroad roundup, Steph Mavididi, you might remember him, Tommy, he signed for Juventus, but didn't really last there long. Nope. He now has nine goals for Montpellier this season, getting five in his last six. So, always good to see an Englishman doing well abroad. Um, nice played against Nantes and Kasper Dolberg, do you remember him from that great Ajax team? No, um. don't. He was one of the kind of hot prospects, but his career kind of stalled a little bit. But this week, um, he managed to end his five-month goal drought with two goals in three minutes against Nantes, which put Nice into the top half of the table, but looks like it might have put Nantes into trouble. Then, down in the relegation fight, in the game we highlighted that was worth watching, Saint-Etienne scored two unbelievable goals, The first one from Wahib Khazri, who's a Sunderland Hall of Famer. Um, They won 2-0 against Nîmes and put themselves seven points away from relegation. Nîmes now definitely in trouble. And the other two teams down there who are fighting for survival played each other when Lorient gave themselves just a bit of breathing space um, against Brest as they won 1-0. But the relegation zone is still looking very tight in France. At the bottom, as I said, we have Dijon on 15, Nantes on 28, Nîmes on 29 in the playoffs, and then Lorient on 32. So it's kind of looking like it's between four teams now for those three drop spaces. I think there'll be a bit more excitement around Europe this year in the relegation zones than in the title races. And we've just seen Messi-Lingard has put West Ham 1-0 up they are this this charge for europe isn't slowing down anytime soon i'm telling you
0: let's go to germany I, and i have a question right off the bat for you rory
1: okay after some umper music some this very one. quick umper music Yeah, this
0: one is by far my favorite and most stereotypical and ridiculous little tune that we have (laughs) during our Mondays. I aim to please. There we go. So I wanted to ask you about a striker that used to wear number nine at AC Milan and he was let go and everybody was just like, he sucks balls. Well, I'm just looking at his stats right now. He's got 40 goals in 66 appearances for Eintracht Frankfurt. And just wait a second, I'm going to tell you how many goals this year alone. He's got 22 goals and three assists in 25 games. Now, of course, I'm throwing a little a little poke to my AC Milan friends who used to say that Inter Milan are the team that ruins players. And as soon as they leave Inter Milan, they become very good. Now, what's the deal with Andre Silva?
1: This guy has been a monster for Frankfurt this year. You're absolutely right. His statistics are mad. So it's now, yeah, 34 goals in the Bundesliga in 50 games, 22 this season. And it was another very impressive, powerful finish. Frankfurt really, really took the game to Dortmund. And the difference was really, as it has been often for Frankfurt this season, All about the left wing. Kostic, the left wing back, is an absolute genius. I do not understand how his name is not being linked with the clubs. He now has 17 assists um, in all competitions this year, 14 in the Bundesliga, three in the Europa League. And he kind of set up the own goal. He put in a beautiful ball at the far post, which bounced off the Dortmund defender and went in. But I think that's still worthy of an assist. Dortmund managed to get one goal back through Hummels, but never really looked threatening. Now, Haaland, he's now gone three games for Norway, no goals, and one game for Dortmund, no goal. So, four games. I put it to you that he really does miss Jadon Sancho. Hmm, I like that. Now, Jadon Sancho has been injured for a good while, and he still remains out of the team, and all of a sudden Haaland starts to kind of not hit the target. Now, obviously, he wouldn't have had Sancho on Norway duty. I'm aware of that. But I'm saying the fact that maybe that partnership is something we undervalued within the kind of strength of that Dortmund team. And that is <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why they should go to Manchester United because that will definitely happen in the summer. Just keep holding out for that one. <laughs> I
0: I love this was a very Man U fan type of comment, Bryce. Keep them coming. Just, just you wait until we talk about Liverpool 2. We're going to have another
1: one coming in hot uh, with some takes. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, But, yes, as you said, Andre Silva, what has happened? Frankfurt are kind of getting quite good at this. They've got Rebic back on loan, right? And he's been doing really... Was it Rebic? No, the guy they sent to AC Milan and they brought him back.
0: Sorry, who did you say?
1: Uh, Frankfurt brought back the guy from Milan. What was his name on loan?
0: Andre Silva? No. Wait,
1: who? No, the other striker. Ah, Is it Rebic?
0: No. Ah, Rebic, Rebic. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Sorry, man, I got Sorry, you. that's yeah, really, yeah. really... <laughs> you can see behind the curtain there, guys. Um, yeah. But they brought back Rebic and he started to get a bit more of a tune out of him. So they know what they're doing with players and player development, but they beat Dortmund, putting themselves level on points with um, the Borussians. Both now, they're on 43 points, Dortmund in fifth and Leverkusen on sixth. But the other game that took all the headlines was... The top of the table clash, of course, straight back into the Bundesliga with some spicy action. We had Leipzig playing Bayern Munich in Leipzig. And of course, what happened, Tommy? Bayern won. Bayern won. Exactly. They won 1 0. Leon Goretzka getting the goal. That's now his third goal in four games. And Muller. Showing some real, like we were talking in a recent episode about how we think Muller is kind of underrated and people think he's only got one aspect to his game. His build up play for this goal was unbelievable. He like dribbled, um, like right to the edge of the box, cut it back and passed it for Goretzka. Beautiful play, really technically impressive, but we know this about Muller, right? Um, for Leipzig, they really, really pushed second half, they really gave it everything. Sabitzer possibly could have had two goals but it wasn't to be and now the lead is seven points between Bayern and Leipzig that points total has never been overturned in Bundesliga history I don't think Bayern are going to be the first team to do it
0: I don't think so either and we at the there was a part in January when we were saying the Bundesliga is, is over then not quite are
1: we calling it now Rory is it over as much as my call helps for anything, yes, I think we're calling it. But <laughs> but Chris has just come in with Holland could be having his head turned as well, which can lead to a drop off. What do you think Tommy? Do you think his focus has been shifted?
0: I do agree and I was calling I was saying it a few episodes ago when I was just like they are not doing that well in the league. I don't like all these poses in front of the cameraman after they score goals. I don't think it's fair for Borussia Dortmund fans who know that Holland and uh, Holland and the Sancho are gonna be gone soon. So why don't you show a little bit that you really care for the team? And right now, boom, just like that, with a snap of a finger you are looking at Borussia Dortmund, the fifth, seven points behind Frankfurt to make it to the Champions League. So it looks
1: like like they're going to miss out on it this year, really.
0: Yeah, they can always play Europa League with Juventus. That's fine.
1: And us. Well, if we're lucky, (laughs) we might not be there next year. Oh, God, that just struck me. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) we can play the Europa Conference. Anyway, elsewhere in Germany, um, Leifekusen, under their new manager, Hannes Wolf. Managed to get a win as they beat bottom of the table. Schalke, it's your time again, Schalke fans. We're going to talk about how terrible you are. Um, Alario got his 10th goal this season to open the scoring. Patrick Schick finally hitting some form for Leverkusen After Roma paid all that money for him, I was like, what the hell are they smoking? That guy is (laughs) terrible. But every so often he pops up and does things, right? He's Um,
0: very technically gifted, but then I have not seen him perform that much on the pitch. Um, Maybe he's one of those names that we will forget about and in one or two year time he's going to come back stronger. At least, I hope for him.
1: Well, I I think it was a very risky deal from Roma, which is quite normal from Roma. But I remember seeing the figure and being like, oh my God, this guy must be amazing. But anyway, he scored to make it two. And then... Guys, we got in a time machine very briefly, all the way back to two thousand and eight, two thousand and six, <laughs> and Huntelaar scored a chest and a volley to get a goal for Schalke. Scenes, absolute scenes. I felt like it was the Champions League, and Raoul was about to come on.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Sometimes when I when I read Untellar as well, I was just like, "Wow, time is not passing for this flying Dutchman. He's still there. He's still getting." And goals. guess what
1: record he set, Tommy? Most, guess what record he set.
0: I don't know. Most appearance, he is now
1: their oldest ever scorer. (laughs) Nice,
0: nice, good for you, Jan Klaas. I want to say it's his name, Jan Klaas. Jan Klaas,
1: exactly. And before we leave, yeah, go for it. No, 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 go on.
0: (laughs) I was gonna say, another great late AC Milan striker, not really. Go
1: for, go for yeah, that, well, they are piling up. The examples are piling up. But elsewhere in the Bundesliga, we have Cologne. They've dropped into the relegation playoff spot as they lost 1-0 away to Wolfsburg. Bracalo getting his fourth of the season with Veghorst, who we remember did not get called up for the Dutch national team, got an assist, making it 17 goals and six assists this season. In the Berlin, in the Berlin derby, it ended one all. Hertha just... Keeping their heads above water as they are now two points away from the relegation playoff zone, with Union kind of fairly effortless, effortlessly just replacing them as the main team in Berlin, which is pretty crazy. Um, they're being re- they're being replaced very quickly, but I hope they stay up. I like Herter, and then finally Armenia and Mainz both drew, as neither could take advantage of the teams around them, dropping points as they drew one all, so it kind of leaves the relegation zone, again, a bit congested, but probably within five teams. You've got Hertha in 25 and Schalke at the bottom on 10. Uh, So a bit of a drop-off, but another, another relegation battle that could be exciting to keep an eye on.
0: Rory, I want to go to Italy. I'm ready. I'm throwing a little pokes here and there at Juventus AC Milan. I'm ready to fire.
1: We need to quickly, before we take you to Italian shores, we need to quickly say that West Ham are 2-0 up. Pablo Fornals, let's go to Italy.
0: Let's go to Turin right away. That's the city where I want to go. Derby della Mole. The derby was played between Juventus and Torino. Now, before I really dive into this game, Torino haven't defeated Juventus away since what year,
1: Rory? Oh, wait. I heard this start this week. 1995. You got
0: it right, thanks to a brace by Rizzitelli, man. That's 26 years without winning against your cross-city rivals when you're playing them away. That's absolutely ridiculous. And their last win versus Juve, in general, was 2015. Pirlo Masterclass says, Steve, I like the attitude. Now, the thing that I love the most about this... And sometimes I forget about it. Is that everything is being filmed by Amazon
1: Prime? <laughs> All Prime. of it. All of
0: it. Man, they are gonna cut. They are going to be so careful cutting down the most embarrassing clips and everything. But there are going to be a few Cristiano Ronaldo rants that I do not want to miss.
1: Well, you, you, you've, you're a club that cares so much about their image that this is going to be like such a PR like. Shitstorm for them as they try and desperately try and make this season look half decent. Yeah,
0: they, they did. Like the reason why they didn't do it two years ago or three years ago or last year, probably. I'm assuming it's because they wanted the tenth consecutive Scudetto to be filmed, and so that the entire world could enjoy it. I am assuming things are gonna go differently. And now the game that they played against Torino, man, zero. Zero grit. The only two players that I saw with a bit of, I mean, with a bit of mindset and a bit of grit were the in central defense and Federico Chiesa. Federico Mm. Chiesa... Well,
1: he's he's the constant for them, though, isn't he? He's the only one that's constant.
0: He's become the new Cristiano Ronaldo. Federico Chiesa is the new Cristiano Ronaldo for Juventus. When he decides that he wants to score a goal, he just goes for it. Now, go look the 1-0 scored by Federico Chiesa. He dribbles past the defender... Alvaro Morata, which, I mean, he's about to do the right thing. Chiesa doesn't say anything. He kind of approaches the ball and he's about to shoot. Chiesa just zips in, shoulders him, takes the ball himself, little nutmeg to the goalkeeper, goal in. That was a beautiful goal. He's been showing up over and over again. He's got now eight goals and eight assists in Serie A in, 25, in 26 games during his first season at Juventus. But, man, Absolutely zero grit. After uh, that defeat versus Benevento, you would expect the team to really come into this game. I mean, uh, they're fourth to last, Torino, at the moment. They're just one perch above the relegation zone. Still, they managed to almost win the game. And now Antonio Sanabria... 25 years old from Paraguay. He has played in Italy before. I didn't remember this. He played at Roma in the under-21 team, Sassuolo, Genoa two years ago. I did remember this one. Then he went to Real Betis. He came to Turin in January and he has scored four goals in five games. Nice. Man, yeah. He's really a uh, a very talented forward. Definitely what Torino needed. And... Maybe because he has just come in and he's so fired up, he really took this game as an opportunity to show the world that it means business. Well, I was very glad to see that. And at the end, they almost managed to steal the win from Juventus. That would have been huge but also Kulusevsky, which is, uh, I mean, they've paid 40 million for Kulusevski. Kulusevsky has not been performing at all this year. And Rory, you might... No, he hasn't. Something.
1: Another one, <laughs> another one the listeners will be pleased to know I spent a lot of money on for fantasy this year. And he started yeah. quite promising, the, the odd goal here, then it's all just disappeared. What happened? What happened? Is it just because the team isn't functioning?
0: I I think that Juventus are going through once again. I'm going to say it. I think that they're going through a rebuild, but they don't want to admit that they're going through a rebuild. And definitely, they would have loved Kulusevski to perform at the stellar levels that he was performing at last year. Mm. But there is there is no unity in that team, and I man, it just takes. I think it just takes really looking at Pirlo speaking in the France press conference to understand that the motivation <laughs> before the players take the pitch. Is probably zero now. Pirlo <laughs> is an incredible, was an incredible player, one of my favorite midfielders mm-hmm. of all time. But he, he he's not the vocal type of guy. Let's not forget that this person did not have any experience as a manager before. Yeah, zero, zero, zero experience. He was put there because Juventus could not afford a coach the likes of. Allegri, the likes of, they're still paying Sarri, the likes of Guardiola or whatever. So Pirlo needed to be there this year and they hoped that the momentum of the ninth Scudetto would be, keep going and it's not happening. I'm reading the hopeless wonder question. Do we reckon the aging Juve backline is to blame for their form? I don't know, man. Um, I think partially but they've got Demiral and Bellegurt De who are going to come in who are going to come in to, to to replace Bonucci and Chiellini and kind of already have in some games this year. I think yeah, I'm reading your second uh, comment. I think that yeah, there is definitely a congestion at midfield. Too many midfielders. The Aaron Ramsey and Adrian Rabiot bet didn't really pay off. They haven't they've been underperforming these two years. And uh, yeah, mistakes by Bentancur, we've seen it in the Porto game. Mistake by Kulusevski, we see it in the Juve game. They just don't have, uh, they just don't, <laughs> they don't have the mindset. And Bryce says, Pirlo makes Oli look like Sir Alex Ferguson. Kind of, I agree with you, Bryce.
1: It but- turns out writing your dissertation in Comic Sans with just watch your goal, don't concede goals, isn't quite enough to win a Scudetto. Who thought it?
0: exactly
1: exactly (laughs) do you remember that yeah (laughs) the report looks out if you've not seen it guys you need to search it out it is brilliant his dissertation is amazing his dissertation
0: could have really literally been written by me just throw a bunch of like general facts about football and you pass the exam (laughs) but now guys i wanted to mention the fact that we have had an extensive instagram poll on our uh page about which Italian teams are going to make it to next year's Champions League, and Juventus are out. 53% of our followers voted that they're not going to make it, and the four teams that will make it, in their opinion, to next year's Champions League are Inter Milan, AC Milan, Atalanta and Napoli. Now, Napoli are in quite some form. They have won five of their last six and drawn one. And they're going to give it their all against Juventus this Wednesday. Don't oh, this That's is
1: going to be like blood and thunder. This is going to be... I'm excited about this. I'm, I might need three screens on Wednesday night. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Between the two Champions League games and Napoli... Any ideas, guys, any pointers, let us know. But we have to say, Gattuso, he held on to his job, and Absolutely. it's paying off now. This has to... And Ossiemen scored. Yes, Ossiemen scored. I feel like our prediction is starting to come true about him being a great sign-in. It looks like, but as you're saying, they're in great form. Sorry, take it away. Yeah. No,
0: no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're in in great form. They've won 4-3 against Crotone. Now this game, I saw Gattuso really getting angry. They were leading comfortably 3-0. Crotone made it 3-3 thanks to a brace by Simi who is currently the person, the player who has scored most goals in Europe's top five leagues since the beginning of March. He's at eight goals and Lewandowski is second at seven. Really in some spectacular form, but it wasn't enough. Di Lorenzo made it 4-3 and now they're really going into this game against Juventus and as you said, it's going to be fire and flames and a very intense fight if Juventus were to lose the game, they would go two points from the UCL with Lazio, with also one game in hand, potentially at minus one, ready to put some pressure on them. These guys, if you're into other leagues, the Premier League and everything, I'm a, I'm giving you this piece of advice. Follow the end of this Serie A campaign because I can't seem to remember any tighter uh, Champions League race especially after that AC Milan also dropped the crucial points Theo Hernandez is getting stick all over social media from AC Milan fans at the beginning of the year they were very excited very offensive player very good um, very good in the offensive maneuver of the team but they are starting to realize that maybe he's not that good at defending maybe he's not that bo- uh, that good as a um, as a fullback, because he cannot defend. And, I mean, that lazy-ass pass to the defender and Quagliarella just steals it and chips the ball right away. Man, those are, uh, what do you call them, laps of concentration?
1: Yeah, lapses in concentration. It's just That's exactly what it is. And you do not want to give Quagliarella the scorer of great goals, an opportunity to score another great goal. Like he will just make you look stupid. And he did. <laughs> I like, love yeah. Quagliorella. Beautiful goal. And yeah, absolute. But the thing it's funny because like you said at the beginning of the season, Teo Hernandez was the second coming of Jesus, right? It was like yeah, yeah. The, Are you there? Yeah, yeah. Hello, sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we were being too polite to each other. Yeah, at the beginning of the year, everybody was all over Teo Hernandez. And now he hasn't been performing in the last games. An AC Milan player that has really been standing out to me recently is uh, recently is Caglanolu. Ever since the international break, but even slightly before he's been really hitting form, that wasn't enough. And now AC Milan, to secure their Champions League spot, they still have to play against Lazio, Juventus And the last game of the season, Atalanta. Yes, Bryce, Cassi is a bowler. It's no news. Very, very good player. He almost, almost, almost had a goal the other day, but that didn't quite work for them. While the team that has been impressing, even though they haven't been playing the most exciting football, is Inter Milan. I'm wearing a black and white jacket, but underneath Inter Milan colours. The other day, I got a phone call from Bryce himself complimenting me for the title. Now, I did not play a single game (laughs) during this season. But
1: I will take every second of that. I will take every,
0: every, every, every second of that, Bryce. Thank you. I hope this is really coming very soon. Inter Milan are looking at nine consecutive wins. In their last 11 games, Rory, how many minutes have they been trailing against Five. the Zero minutes oh, trailing zero in their minutes. last 11 games and only three goals against. AC Milan have been trailing for 228, Napoli 168, Juventus 140, Atalanta 123. And Bryce, are you still there? Do you remember the guy with the bad first touch? Oh, his first touch is so bad. He's scored 20 goals and put in his pocket 8 assists in 27 Serie A games this season compared to last year, in which at the end of the season he had 23 goals and 2 assists. I also
1: need to jump in at Lukaku's defence at this point and say he has reached 60 goals in Serie A in 86 appearances. Right. It took Ronaldo El Fenomeno 99 appearances to reach 59 goals and Ronaldinho 95 appearances. He only got 25 goals. So Lukaku is absolutely he is. This is his peak. We are watching now. This is him hitting the best form of his life. I went back recently and watched Premier League years and picked a season at random and it was him when he was on loan to Everton. One, it was crazy seeing him play really young with like dreadlocks. But also, you realise he was an absolute baller even then. And now you are seeing the fully formed version of what he was. This is the, the best football of his career, I think. And
0: man, I'm going to wrap it up very soon because we've got all the Premier League and the Champions League to cover. But Lukaku and Conte, a match made in heaven. When we were about to release Icardi, I was scared who is going to be the man to replace him. Then Lukaku is going to be the man. I was hearing the rumors coming from England, from the United fans. I was I was excited, but not that much. And then it's really a match made in heaven. Now, I don't know why right now there are these rumors around Inter Milan. Like It really feels like as soon as things start going well for the team, there are all these speculations and rumors around the fact that inter need absolutely to sell one of their players and uh, lukaku is probably going to be the one and the price is at 50 million now the other day this instagram page that i follow spaziointer.it they're all inter fans they reposted the news and i commented underneath and they said guys do you really think that inter Milan are going to sell lukaku at the end of this season so why do you even give room to these sensationalistic rumors that are not going to do any good to the club at all. Just overlook them. It's not... Okay, yeah, there has been the problem with the salaries, but many other teams have had the same problem. Juventus has just come out. They have had the same problem with paying their players salaries. Now, don't come telling me that Lukaku is leaving at the end of this season. That wouldn't make any sense, not even for him. I think that he really, really wants to stay in... Milan. it
1: does sound like you're scared though Tommy
0: no I'm not scared I'm just please, <laughs> time. like and first we're not playing the players and then uh Arsenal are coming to snatch Hakimi from Inter Milan we're coming
1: in he can't wait to join our project and, <laughs>
0: he can't yeah, wait he, to get he, on our sinking ship especially if we win the Scudetto right now for the first time after 11 years he's gonna be like all right I'm good now I'm going to Arsenal to win to win one." yeah it's like,
1: done right let's go do it in the Premier League with our tetas boys that's what it's gonna be like
0: but yeah, this is how excited I am about Inter Milan. We've got three big games out of nine remaining. The big games are on April 18th against Napoli, away on May 12th against Rome at home, and on May 16th against Juve in Turin, And I hope that this last game is going to mean no Champions League for Juventus. Finally, I did see, and I was going to mention, Verde's goal for Spezia, which was voted as the best goal across Europe's top five leagues this weekend. Man, go watch it. It's absolutely incredible. The way he twists his body and just this is skyrockets it under the crossbar. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Forza Inter, let's go to
1: England, Rory let's go to blighty here we go and here we are i'm back home we are in england and this weekend well we can only start in one place and that is we can see it just above my head i'm pointing that way we are going to start in the emirates and we have Arsenal nil, Liverpool three. Now, I'm going to put as much effort into this as as the Arsenal players put into their match. So... (laughs)
0: Let's hear it.
1: We can move on now. We can leave it. Just pretend it never happened. That's what the (laughs) Arsenal players are doing, right? They didn't turn up. Nothing happened. I've never seen a more passenger just performance than Arsenal against Liverpool. Now, you've got to give the credit to Liverpool. They were absolutely outstanding. Fabinho back in midfield makes such a difference for them. Him alongside Thiago is obviously the partnership that Klopp has wanted all season, but been very rarely able to play. And their midfield just absolutely ruined us. We could not get hold of the ball. I was saying during during the game to Chris, I was saying like there wasn't a single moment in the whole 90 minutes where... Arsenal provoked a reaction from me. There was no like, oh, that was nearly, oh, come on. Nothing. It was just 90 minutes of just watching Liverpool batter us. I think someone said when we got beaten by Aston Villa 3-0, it was like being stabbed to death violently. Whereas this 3-0 was like being suffocated with a pillow. It was just (laughs) horrific, slow death. And, The final blow in the distance was seeing Diogo Jota on the bench. I thought, the second he comes on, he's going to score. The second he comes on, he's going to score. It reminded me of when we lost to Leicester 1-0 and Vardy came on. It was just telegraphed. He's going to score. Well, it happened with Jota. He got two. After he got the first one, Arsenal completely collapsed. And then before I knew it, it was 2-0, 3-0. But Liverpool finally had a performance that looks like they're starting to get back to where they should be. Allison, yeah, he could have brought a book along with him. It was horrific. Now, we need to talk about Arteta. I'm sorry, sorry Chris, sorry. this is going to be... Sorry,
0: Chris, just one thing. Have you noticed that Allison absolutely copied my style? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's been listening to the pod, watching us on Monday nights, and he was like, that dude looks cool. I'm going to copy his stash. Nice. Nice. But yeah, Chris is saying that he smoked the cigar all the way through the game, and so did he' Honestly, players.
1: it was comfortable isn't even the word. Like, I don't know what the tactics were meant to be. I don't know what the system was meant to be. It was the first time that Laka, Oba, and um, Pepe all started together, which is insane. The first time they've all started together, and it did not work. Oba on the left is absolutely useless. He can't hold up the ball. He was anonymous. I don't know if he touched the ball. Yeah, his hair looks bloody cool. But the problem is when you come in with a fresh new haircut, you better hope that your first performance is bloody good. Otherwise it just stands out even more. And now you look like a bell end. Lacazette could not hold up the ball completely anonymous. Pepe, who in the past has caused Liverpool problems, couldn't really get into the game. Whenever the ball, whenever we did get the ball forward, it came back to us pretty bloody quickly. Trent Alexander Arnold made a massive statement to Southgate with a beautiful assist. Unbelievable cross. How Holding gets out-jumped by Jota in the air, I'm still confused, but that's what happened. Um, and Arteta now, his first 50 games are worse, or his record is worse than the last 50 games for Unai Emery. And I saw a stat that we have only failed to score at home five times since 2003. Four of those times have come under Mikel Arteta. Nice. (laughs) So there is a problem in many places in that squad. And for the first time, even though it's Liverpool, I think the the manner of the loss, for the first time, I'm looking and thinking maybe questions need to be asked of Arteta. Not are we getting rid of him, but just at least criticising him. It feels like with some Arsenal fans, you can't even criticise him because he's like, Sacred. I think there needs to be questions answered. We are not looking great at all. Our Premier League season is completely dead. Use it to play the reserves, bring through youngsters and just concentrate on the Europa League. But hats off to Liverpool. They've put themselves back into the top four race because Tottenham dropped points. So now Liverpool and Tottenham are currently in fifth and sixth, both on 49 points. After Tottenham let up a last minute equalizer from arsenal Loney joe willock so after all it was a great weekend for arsenal because one of our players stole points from them and that means that they drew 2-2 the big shock of the weekend though before we get into that west Ham are now three up and i will come to you with the scorer when my phone updates i was tbd right this guy keeps scoring tommy this guy keeps scoring
0: it's him again. It's D-B-D. T-B-D.
1: Yeah, and the Barcelona New Barcelona animal. In the meantime,
0: are drawing nil-nil at halftime. Atletico Madrid fans are praying every god they worship at the moment. Rory, what are the other headlines from the Premier League?
1: Well, the big one, and this was a game that I didn't even bother mentioning in the preview uh, episode, because... I thought it would be such a one-sided affair. You know, Tuchel hasn't conceded a goal at home since taking over Chelsea, eight matches. They've not lost at home, of course, under Tuchel. They've not lost under Tuchel. They've got West Brom at home. West Brom, the leakiest defence in the league, the least potent attack force in the league. So, of course, West Brom win 5-2 and Pereira getting two goals, Robinson getting two. Callum Robinson now has five Premier League goals in his career. They are all against Chelsea. All of his goals in the Premier League have come against Chelsea this year. It's insanity. Um, Wow. Yeah, the other stat I saw, um, 32% of West Brom's goals this season have come against Chelsea, eight. Um, Big Sam is the first manager to win at Stamford Bridge with three different teams, Bolton Palace and West Brom. I, Just
0: believe, I believe that Steve Cole suggested that he should coach Juventus next season. I'm big Sam? Yeah, Big Sam. Yes!
1: Now That's that cool. I want to see on All or Nothing. Big Sam at Juventus, All or Nothing. He'll always take all. Look at the size of the bloke. He always takes all. <laughs> but in the game... Thiago Silva has this weird record against West Brom where he just seems to really panic. So you remember the first game was when we were back in a pub watching football, Tommy. When we watched Inter Fiorentina, the game before it was West Brom-Chelsea, where West Brom were 3-0 up and Chelsea managed to pull them back. But in that game, Thiago Silva gave away a goal, gave away two arguably. And in this game, he was sent off. Now, I think it was quite a soft red. It looks like he's trying to block the shot, and that's genuinely his intention. But he goes through and makes contact with the player. I thought it was a bit soft. But on VAR review, they sent him off, and that's obviously kind of where the game changed. Pulisic had put Chelsea 1-0 up. Um, There in the 27th, Thiago was sent off two minutes later, and then West Brom just went wild. But what was really crazy was from a team, like we said, where two colours got the defence so watertight for them to just completely look at assaults. West Brom were passing through them, could not keep up with them. And why Christensen wasn't playing, I'm not sure. He's been the best player since Tuchel over alongside Mason Mount, of course. Yeah, I think it is a strange one for Christensen to play, uh, to not play, sorry, but I know Chelsea fans and those who have watched him a lot do say he does have a rick in him. I think their best defender this year has definitely been Zuma, but Zuma and Christensen together would have been a bit more strong than this. Thiago Silva definitely left them in trouble, but 5-2. And this weekend, what we saw was a lot of fight, a lot of fight from the teams at the bottom. Some of them getting more success than others. So, as I said, Newcastle managed to um, salvage a draw against Spurs. West Brom beating Chelsea. Fulham went 1-0 up before, unfortunately, losing 3-1 to Villa but they really looked like they were going to get something out of that game. Burnley went two nil up against Southampton only to lose three, two kind of taking Southampton out of the relegation mix, but slowly dragging Burnley into it. So we saw a lot of teams with a lot of fight. I think again, the relegation battle is going to be the end, the end of the league to look at at the end of this season, because it's going to be much more exciting. Of course, Brighton also went one nil up against United before getting pegged back. So we're seeing that these teams at the bottom—they're competing. They just some just need that little bit extra, that little bit more to start getting the results. Newcastle did play really well. Newcastle did play genuinely well. I think Alan Sam Maximan makes such a difference to that team. That little bit of creativity—he's got a really, like, really strong as well. Great passing. I think he makes a huge difference, and he is probably all of the inventiveness. Within that team, because Steve Bruce definitely doesn't have a much of it, but maybe they've given themselves a bit of a a bit of a result to build on. Maybe for Brighton. Now, if I'm a Brighton fan, I never want to see Manchester United ever again, ever again. In the first game, they get a goal after the final whistle was blown. They get a penalty to win the game, right? In this game, they have a definite penalty turned down for absolutely no reason. Maguire pulled at Welbeck as he was going for the ball. Definitely contact. Welbeck falls back for some reason. No decision, no penalty, nothing. They got away with another one. This is... I'm always going to take it back to Arsenal, guys. But when David Luiz got sent off for that non-tackle on, against Wolves and Maguire doesn't get sent off for that... Where is the consistency? What are the rules? I just don't understand. Brighton, still, of course, they won the XG battle against Manchester United, but they didn't win the G battle. United one two one, 2-1, Greenwood and Rashford scoring. So lots and lots of goals this weekend in an exciting return to the Premier League, even if Arsenal did absolutely stack it. Oh, I just want the season to end, Tommy. Can it end? Can it end? Yeah, not not
0: anytime soon. But before, so I was waiting for this match day to be over. Um, I was waiting for this match day to be over to put up a poll, just like the one I did on Instagram for Serie A about the Premier League. Because here too, except the table leaders, Man City, who just like Inter Milan are almost positive to play Champions League football. You love that comparison. well, I mean, well, yeah, I do love that comparison. <laughs> of
1: course you do. Everybody
0: would. do love that comparison. But so they're pretty much sure to be playing Champions League football next year. Now, I'm going to read you the standings. Second place, Menu, U, 60. Third, Leicester, 56. Fourth, West Ham, if they win this game, 52. Chelsea, fifth, 51 points. Tottenham, sixth, 49 points. Liverpool, seventh. 49 points, Everton, 8th, 47. Who are the other three teams? Keep going,
1: keep going. We're there somewhere. Where are we? We're nearly coming up. You, are we nearly there?
0: You're just uh, below Aston Villa. Uh, <laughs> <where your laughs> hey. Former goalkeeper is playing. Um, right, no, before we go on about Martinez,
1: just quickly. Go for it. I have not seen a player have more interviews post a move to talk about how much he should have left the club beforehand. Mate, you've left. Shut up. Thank you. Just stop talking about it. Also, you weren't, you were at the club for 10 years. Yes. And you went on loan to lots of places and none of them played you. So don't say that the club, you were this flashing, bright, shining talent that nobody could ignore. Lots of people were ignoring it. You're a very good keeper now, but please just have some grace and shut up. We were happy for you. We were happy for you. Now you're just slagging us off every week in the media. Just leave it. But anyway.
0: <laughs> All the way from Chicago, they say that this rant is amazing. Ha, 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 With a little laughter at the end, of the two. But, Rory, you didn't answer my question. Besides Man City, who are the next three teams that are going to make it to next year's Champions League?
1: I'm gonna say Leicester are gonna drop out again. I'm gonna say Chelsea and Liverpool and Manu. And uh, Manu, yeah, of course, yeah. I think Manu, cool. basically, with the four points between them and third, they ba- they're sitting there pretty comfortably now. I think it'll be Man City, Man United, Chelsea, and Liverpool. I am not gonna predict that Tottenham finish top four. I'm not doing it.
0: I'm. I'm gonna call West Ham. I'm gonna say that West Ham are gonna make it. I would have to double check what games they have left to play. They still have to play Chelsea. Man, they only the Chelsea and Leicester. Those are the two tough games that they have in front of them. So maybe they will make it. Tom, I'm crossing my fingers. Rory, our Champions League review, given the time, is just going to be Man City Dortmund. What's going to be the final score for you tomorrow night? <laughs>
1: I'm going to go 2-0 Manchester City. Same.
0: I was going to say the exact same thing. Real Madrid-Liverpool?
1: It's in Madrid. I'm going to say 2-1 Madrid.
0: I'm going to say 1-2 Liverpool. Oh, Sergio, Ramos, Sergio Ramos is not going to play. Did you hear this? He is I did. It's such out. a
1: shame. I really wanted to see what kind of mind games he was going to do to wind up all the Liverpool fans because they already fucking hate him. It would have been brilliant to see him like kind of stroking his shoulder, like winking at Salah, like daring to run at him. The the entertainment value could have been brilliant, but we'll have to wait until the return leg. So, I suppose. you both
0: say Man City Dortmund two 0 and then you say Real Madrid Liverpool two one, while they say one two, and then off we go to Wednesday Bayern Munich. PSG. I'm
1: so excited for that game. I'm so excited for that game. I'm going to say Bayern... I'm going to say Bayern blow them out of the water. I'm going to say like Bayern 3-0 or something. I'm going to say Bayern just get the job done first leg.
0: Man, I was going to say the same thing. Like after <laughs> yeah. Four months versus Lille. I, but at the same time, I see Bryce is saying 1-0. Maybe 3-0 is too much. Maybe a 2-0 over PSG. What do you tell me about FC Porto against Chelsea.
1: Chelsea will get... I'm going to say, okay, it's in Portugal. It'll be a bit difficult. Let's say one all draw.
0: I'm going to say that Porto are going to win the first leg. I don't know the score. but I Okay, think I like that. Take- They're going to take the first leg, but remember that on Wednesday night, your footballing action isn't starting at 9 p.m. Central European time, but at 6.45 Central European time with Inter Sassuolo. And I'm going to say it, I am not positive that Inter Milan are going to win this game. This could be a little draw hidden there, and Juventus-Napoli, I do Want the prediction for this one to Rory Juventus Napoli? Let's go.
1: Juventus Napoli. I'm going to say Napoli continue this form and pile on the pressure and the misery on Juventus. I'm going to say 3 1. Napoli insignia and Osimen gets a vital goal. I need him to score. Come on, man.
0: He's not, man. This game is not going to count for the fantasy. Football
1: oh, is it not? <laughs> no, just for his confidence. I need you to score, Victor. Let's just keep this run going, please. I finally won a game.
0: Yeah, and Bryce, I like to see how much we think alike. He says Man City are the only team to score at Porto, so he agrees with me. I think that Juventus Napoli Juventus Napoli could be a draw, could be a 2-2 draw, but I kind of want Napoli to just I feel like Napoli always have like good seasons but they miss the like big powerful win and this mm. one would be it. So, Forza Azzurri, Forza Gattuso. Just put the nail in the coffin, and if Juventus do miss out on the Champions League next year, it would be a lot of fun, and that would open also for where is Cristiano Ronaldo going to go, or is he going to stay and try to win the Europa League? Who knows?
1: He's going to go the, it's for that PSG project.
0: PSG project with everybody else. <laughs> all the Mbappe, best Neymar,
1: Holland, Ronaldo—they'll all be there. All
0: of them. All right, guys, I think that we're done for this Monday night Euro review. Wait, wait, wait. Are we not going to talk about Jesse Lingard, the scoring? We did. We talked
1: about it. We said congratulations, Messi Lingard. He's still crushing it. He's going to be in the England Euro squad and a part of me fucking hates that. But well done, Jesse Lingard. (laughs) You will still be there.
0: And thank you very much to Chris, Bryce, our friends from the Hopeless Wanderer podcast, my mom, and everybody who's on Twitch right now. Tomorrow is a very exciting day. Rory and I are going to sit down with our laptops. We're going to brainstorm. We're going to plan things for the future. This is just the beginning. Don't you forget. And remember to follow us on Instagram at Anglo Pod and on Twitter at ItalianAngloPod. Rory, anything left to say?
1: Um, The hashtag tell a friend thing. Hashtag tell a friend drive. Just... I don't care how annoying you are. Imagine how annoying we are telling our friends about the podcast we run, right? You can be as annoying as us. You have our permission. Tell your friends. Check these guys out. They're pretty good. It's an hour you won't regret. Hashtag tell a friend. Let's go. Let's get these numbers pumping, guys.
0: Thank you very much. And in case you haven't listened to our latest, latest episode, there is an interview that at first just seemed fun. Then I re-listened to it, and I was very impressed with our friends' knowledge of the US MNT. So we discuss everything: past, present, and future. And guess what? The future is looking bright. Go and check it out. We'll talk to you again on Friday, Forza Inter. This is all I have to say. Bye guys. Bye-bye.